Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there. Ever dream of making your own podcast? Let me tell you a little bit about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. First, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And welcome to Why Are You Like This, a podcast devoted to finding out who we are and why we do the things we do. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and I am wildly unprepared for the upcoming chaos between me and today's guest. (laughs) Our guest today is a model, an actor, (laughs) a singer-songwriter, and 69% gay. Please welcome to the mic, Sean Doherty. Nice. (laughs) Crushed it. Oh no, what what have we gotten ourselves into? <laughs> hey baby, how are you? I'm good, you just saw me less than 30 seconds ago. <laughs> well, you broke the illusion. We live together. <laughs> we do. I think, but also I would imagine anyone who's listened to your podcast up until this point already knows a sin of capacity that, well maybe not, I don't know. But yeah, we live together. <laughs> yeah, we live together. Although today, is a, it's a special eve that we're recording. One, it's a night recording, which I don't think I've ever done. And two, this is our last night living together. Which is sort of not true, but also is true. Because I have a new lease starting tomorrow on life. (laughs) 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 I have a new lease starting with my boyfriend tomorrow, but I have a crossover month. So you mostly will just have to deal with me getting things shipped here for the next month. But yeah, it's happening. All right, let's get into it. I have to know, when was the first time you knew you were the world's greatest singer? (laughs) I'm going to like blow out the mic because I'm going to scream into it. I'm so sorry for all of the time you're going to have to like automate my voice down. Um, The world's greatest. Well, Mm -hmm. okay, let's, well. Um, So I was famously terrified to sing. Really? um, For most of my life, legitimately. um, Because... And this is a truly embarrassing story. So everyone buckle up. We're getting right into it. Ooh, here we go. I loved music and I used to like sing all the time when I knew nobody could hear me. In hindsight, I know that my parents were probably always listening to me because when you're like six, you think that nobody can hear you, but they definitely can. Mm -hmm. Um, And I used to love the Now CDs because of course I did. Yes. We love a compilation. Yeah. Like I, well, because we we didn't have iTunes at the time. All we had was hit clips and now... (laughs) Um, and so I remember hearing a song and it was at the same time my elementary school in fifth grade was doing a talent show and, um, I didn't know how anything worked at all. And so I took the now six CD and I showed up and I said, you know what? I like this song and I'm going to do the talent show because my music teacher said we should all do the talent show and I'm going to audition <laughs> so I That's so nice. It was insane <laughs> because I just like truly had no concept of what was going on. Um I walked to school with my little Nasdaq CD 
and I gave it to her and she was like, is this a karaoke track? And I was like, what? (laughs) She was like, it's fine. Just like sing along with it and we'll just like play it low. Well, there's nothing worse than when you're in fifth grade um, with a buzz cut wearing a little firefighter t-shirt and have to sing a song with really low backing track. (laughs) (laughs) What song was it? Well, get ready. It was, and I, this is the gag, Crazy for This Girl by Evan and Jaren. I'm crazy for this girl. I look at her. She looks at me. She's got me thinking about her constantly. Constantly. Years and years later, I am just so gay. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so uh, I found the whole experience relatively mortifying and wanted to pretend like it didn't happen. But apparently my music teacher at the time, Mrs. O'Connor, icon, um, probably was like, look at this little gay boy who needs some guidance. And so she said, "You're, you're in. Like on the spot. And I was like, what? I did, I barely sang. I was like barely phonating, but I was apparently on pitch. So she was thrilled. Um, and so she bought the sheet music, which at the time was not like a PDF. You had to like order the book. And so she paid like $20 to order the like actual like book sheet music of just the song. Cause that's how they sold it at the time. And um, then she made me do it with her playing live at the fifth grade concert talent show and I uh, was so terrified and like kids were like making fun of me or whatever. And then I sang at the concert and then all of the parents were like, went to my parents and were like, did you know your kid could sing like that? And like, I hadn't gone through puberty. So I sounded like a little like angel Toby. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, well, I'm all that. like, it was like very that. Um, but I did it. And then uh, never sang again. <laughs> oh. I got really like freaked out about it because I got made fun of so much. Um, despite the fact that all the parents and my teacher were like, no, you can sing, you should continue doing this. And then um, didn't sing again until I was a freshman in high school. So like, I guess it would be five years later or like four, four or five years later. And then my choir teacher heard me sing and cause I had to take choir. It was like required um, required. I'm just realizing that's kind of fun. <laughs> you wait, you went to a high school that had required choir. I think you had to choose between like choir and like, I'm going to be a farmer for the rest of my life. And so I chose <laughs> choir and that's like not an exaggeration. <laughs> I famously had drive your tractor to school day, which was a real thing that actually happened. It, that's a slow way to get to school. Very slow. And everyone on the road hates you. And then imagine trying to get to school and there's like 70 tractors on the road. <laughs> that's bad moms three. Yeah. <laughs> Bring your tractor to school day. Um, but yeah, so then I auditioned for choir, ended up in the high level choir from my freshman year, got put in like a special choir and he gave me a solo. And then, um, that was kind of my first, I was so terrified to sing a solo and it was, I want to be clear. It was like a bar. It was just like an acapella. I sang the words Ave Maria and it wasn't the Ave Maria you're thinking of, but (laughs) I like sang just like Ave Maria and like did that. And then, um. Then from there, he just kind of kept making me do more. And we stand, Chris Cherry, if you're listening to this, you're an amazing teacher. And now I get paid a lot to sing. So that's fun. <laughs> I got one solo the one year I was in choir. Work. Based on <laughs> being the only tenor one. Well, that's the thing is that when they find out you can sing high, they say, well, we need you. <laughs> so so they, they made me sing. Drum roll, please. Oh, bloody, oh, blada, life goes on. Not that. <laughs> the whole thing. Like, it wasn't a solo. Like, it was a full-on, this is for a choir. But Ryan gets a solo because he's the only one singing the line. They just need to get that oh, bloody. And you know what? <laughs> now I'm a star. Yeah, and now now we're in an international commercial, so they can all suck it. <laughs> they can all suck it. So after your first choir solo in the in the in the high school mm-hmm. you hopped in a robe and sang lost in the wilderness to become an internet star well so that was a weird thing because i i was very invested in youtube before youtube was like bought by google and became the youtube that we now know because i was it was just kind of like a collection a very small community of people that were like i don't know i just like make videos and it was like this iconic time where like these people were getting like big deals out of it because people were discovering YouTube and it started catching on. But there was like, did you ever watch uh, lonely girl 15? No. Okay. So there was this girl 
And she was just like this, like, hi, I'm like a cute little white girl. And I do these little blogs. And sometimes I have problems with my boyfriend. And that was the, like, (laughs) that was all it was. She would just do daily updates. She did this for years. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, the, the like circumstances, she was like, I don't know. My parents really want me to go through with this like church thing. And I don't know if I like feel like I'm into it and everything started getting like weird. And then we found out it was all a very slow, slow, slow TV show. (gasps) But like it started all the way back and it was all fake. She had been faking it for years and years. And then the more money that was like going her way, the more she could kind of like add new characters. Cause it was all hired people. Like they were all like making shit up. And it was like the gag. People were like, what? This is, how how dare she be fake? And I was like, honestly, that's a serve. Yeah, she it. wins. Um, yeah, there were like all these people. And so I was really into YouTube. And then like at the same time, uh, Brian Yorkie and Tom Kitt, who wrote Next to Normal for the listeners who don't know, <laughs> um, they uh, had like a YouTube thing for Next to Normal. Where they're like, here's all the accompaniment tracks. And like, you can just sing one of the songs if you want and then we're gonna do like a virtual choir and so then i sang i'm alive and they picked mine and like made a big deal about it like when during the song it like zooms in on mine and like i have a whole thing and i started getting like all of these views on youtube and but at the time i was just like oh i like singing i'll do that no one's gonna watch this that's okay and then all of a sudden like i started getting a lot of attention it was uh very bizarre because i filmed i had to go and film it in my friend emily's basement because i didn't have a webcam Oh, yeah, we had to buy webcams. Separate webcams that never quite fit on top of the computer. (laughs) No, they always fell. They'd always fall at the worst moment. So you just became a YouTube star. But, like, never enough of one to, like, I wasn't, like, a Justin Bieber. Or, like, like, obviously it, like, never took off in that way. But it was enough to where they were, like, still to this day people are, like, oh, I've seen a video of you singing Lost in the Wilderness sitting in a bathrobe at your, like, computer chair when you were like 15 and I'm like, yeah, I don't know why that became a thing, but I still sing lost in the wilderness. So, (laughs) (laughs) so here we are. And then along that journey, you discovered the seductress known as high school community theater. Oh, well, who didn't, (laughs) how could you, a saucy minx like that? How could you ignore such a thing? You have such a group of people that you're still in contact with from this this theater experience growing up, and I'm Ryan, just it, interested it, in some <laughs> memories from it. Oh, God. I mean, we can get into it if you really want to get Let's it, do it. It was – I still to this day don't quite know what happened between the ages of 17 and 19, but all I know is I went in um, having never had drank in my life, and I came out uh, gay. <laughs> so <laughs> – It was, um, yeah, and I mean, I say all of that, like, that was all, like, outside of the actual theater, obviously, like, that wasn't happening while we were performing, but, um, no, I did a little community theater uh, called Stage Door Fine Arts in Chicago, and we would rehearse in Hinsdale, Illinois, and the only reason I really, I was doing a show through my choir teacher, because he kept pushing me to do other things, and so he was like, do Children of Eden in, uh, at like this local community college. And I was like, okay, that's like a summer thing. It'll be fun. And so I did that and I was playing Adam. And then uh, my now best like friend in the whole world that you know and love very much, uh, Mackenzie Meeks. uh, She just like drove 50 miles to go see this because her and her friends were putting together a community theater group to do rent with Mm. a cast of people mostly under the age of 18. (laughs) (laughs) And for some reason they found, because it was rent and None of us had anything to do. They found a cast of people that were like extraordinary talented. Our Maureen was 14 years old and had the best voice I've like ever heard on a human being. It was stupid. And all of those people I'm still like deeply close with because we ended up doing like, I want to say I did a full 10 shows with them in about two years. Wow. That's a lot. It's a lot of shows. And they were all chaotic. It was like Rent, Aida, which, well, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a problem. But, yeah. you know, on Broadway, it was a white cast too. So, <laughs> um, we did Bear, a pop opera, so we're one of, like, five people to ever do that. <laughs> and then did Hair, uh-huh. which uh, was the one where we all suddenly discovered drugs and alcohol and our sexualities. And Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. During that show? Can you imagine being Never. in Hair and not figuring out that you're probably bisexual or gay in some capacity? <laughs> <laughs> so you basically had, like, the I'm an edgy musical theater performer starter kit. 
Yeah, and I the fact that I did all of that like before college is insane. <laughs> yeah. Because like instead of having my like discovering myself moments in mostly through college, I mean I still didn't come out until I was a sophomore in college, but the fact that I <laughs> had this weird like kind of protective and protected group of like teenagers and we all just kind of had like a safe space to just kind of like be like what are bodies and what is alcohol and like we'll all take care of each other and we all came out of it alive so <laughs> yeah i mean it set it set you on your path for yeah, sure there'll be a really good hbo show about it in like a year oh yeah <laughs> love that straight to regular hbo or hbo max uh hbo max cool because they have mm-hmm. euphoria they have generation and this will just be called like Actually, I have no idea what it would be called. It's mostly theater-related, so... It it's might just called the theater. <laughs> get one solid season. Theater, but, like, with, with an ampersand instead yes. of a... <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But along, along this, like, artistic journey, I know this because we are very good friends, but a lot of people don't know this, that you were kind of crushing it at school and could have gone a totally different way and been, like, a badass scientist slash nurse. Oh, my God. God, sometimes I forget that that was why. Well, yeah, I can tell this story because you know it very well. Yeah. Um, I finished Rent with the group of hooligans. And then um, I the next day, I finished a two-performance day of Rent and went home at midnight because obviously you had to do set strike because that's what you do when you're young and unpaid. Of course. And then got home at midnight and then I had to leave at 3.30 in the morning or like 4 in the morning. Because I had to drive three and a half hours to my audition at our lovely university, Millican University. Mm, (laughs) Uh, So I could audition for the musical theater program. But also what I was more concerned about was I was interviewing uh, for a presidential scholarship and to be in the nursing program. Which was mostly what my focus was. Because most of my high school experience, I was actually just like, I think I was third in my class. And was mostly all science. So I was like AP bio, anatomy and physiology, chemistry, and then also just like did choir to like kill time. But you know, <laughs> I only took one AP class. Which one? You're going to die because it was AP language and comp. Oh, yeah. That was okay. So I hated AP language, but I loved AP literature. Yeah, everybody loves AP literature. You get to read books and like be a fancy homosexual and not care about grammar anymore. However, in language and comp it's just all of the rules and i somehow got like a four on that test you know this our readers might not know this i don't know where a comma goes what did i do? i just had to explain to you what the difference between than and then was yes i thought than was a fancy version of then until last thursday and i won't age you but you should have figured that out probably a little yeah, bit ago probably a while ago so your journey in school is a lot different than mine. So you're taking all of these AP science classes. You are ready to go save lives. Yeah. And then I get to Milliken and um, they're like, great. We don't know why you're interviewing for these two completely separate things. Um, but we'll have somebody show you the science building. And who was that somebody? But I, I think, I don't want to assume, but I think you've told me a hungover Ryan Andrews mm-hmm. <laughs> wearing a one of those long like American Eagle hats with like the balls on the, like the strings. Not even just the balls. It had horns. Yes. It had where the wild things are horns attached. It was, it was beast couture. (laughs) 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 And, uh, yeah, I remember I was just like, who is this, this small little thing? (laughs) Cause you were just like, hi. And then you, you were like, I don't know anything about this building. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, go to the science building. It's like, I don't know where that is. Yeah, and um, but you showed me there, and then I met with the the head of the nursing program, which I don't think was a thing that you really needed to do, but I think my parents wanted me to do that, and so I just like did it, yeah. <laughs> and it went really well. And they then I had my interview for the presidential scholarship, um, which went pretty well, and then my friend Anastasia got it, but it's fine; she deserved it. Dox her, dox her. <laughs> her address and social security <laughs> is. Um, no, she's perfect. She deserved every all that. Um, but then I auditioned for the musical theater program, and I don't know if have you ever explained the Millican musical theater audition process on here. Um, I've talked about it. Yeah, I talked about my experience where a girl sang "High on the Hill" with the lonely goat herder in flip flops. 
<laughs> oh, not in the flip flops. Yeah. But also, I mean, th- that's not efficient for getting the goats in. No, no, you get solid <laughs> shoes. Um, but also, I mean, I showed up and it's so funny. I did like the full circle of I auditioned with If I Loved You and guess it, Lost in the Wilderness, which now I would still sing, which is hilarious because then I spent four years being like, I would never, I can't believe I auditioned with that. And now I'm like, no, those are like, those are iconic. Why would I not do that? I did make up half my monologue. As you should. Yeah, I didn't know that. I learned it in the car on the way up. But wait, didn't they do like an American Idol type thing to you when they told yes, you? Yes, okay, yeah. So I don't know if this happened in to your class, but Mm-mm. so we're all in there and every, I think there was probably like 50 people auditioning that day and we all audition and they take us all and they put us in the theater and we sit down and it's been a long day. Like everyone's exhausted, but we're also all super nervous because we are like going to find out that day. And then good old Laura Led gets up there and she's like, I... I'm going to send some, like, you're going to find out you're going to go into meetings. And so like, we're going to say your name. And if you're on this list, you're going to go with this teacher. And if you're on this list, you're going with this teacher. So we're like waiting to hear. And like, we watch like five people leave and then another five people leave and then another five people leave. And the, the teachers are like now gone. And we're all just kind of like, Oh, like fuck we're the, the leftovers. And we're sitting there. And then she just goes, all right, now, For those of you who are left in this room, congratulations, you're a part of the 2014 Millican Musical Theater Class BFA, you did it. And we're all like start crying because we were like, we all were just like, oh cool, I guess we're not talented. (laughs) And so everyone's just like crying and like being like, why did, why was that so dramatic? (laughs) You could have just told us or like given us a letter or emailed us the next day. I don't know. Oh, from the jump, the drama. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, we can go into that, too, if you want, because I was single-handedly the reason we stopped being quite so dramatic in Milligan. <laughs> you know, we, we could, but I, I just have, like, a more important question to ask you, um, and that is, why are you gay? Why am I gay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That is such a good question because yeah. some days you're like, oh my God, what are we all doing? <laughs> um, I am gay. Oh, this is a really good question. Oh, can, I'm going to get specific because it's the first thing that came into my head. Uh, did you ever see Titan AE? No. <laughs> okay, so it's a cartoon and it was like a weird cartoon that wasn't Disney and it was like a sci-fi space cartoon. And oh, it there's came a big out robot. And- there was a lot of robots. No, that was the Iron Giant. Oh, damn it. Okay. Because <laughs> the big robot, the Iron Giant. I don't know. <laughs> um, so there's this movie, Titan AE, and I remember like seeing it. And there's this scene where this like animated, like hot man is just like fully naked in this PG like kids film. And they like show his butt. Hot. And I just remember at the time being like, why am I so fascinated about this scene? It's animated, but also what's going on here? But I remember like that was a, a, one of the first moments where I was like, huh, why was I so focused on that scene and like why it was in the movie? <laughs> I think I'm gay because of the No Doubt song, Just a Girl. Um, Interesting. I loved that song. So, well, it's a so, great song. I mean, I was culturally gay before I was sexually gay. Let's be honest. Well, we all were. Yeah, yeah. I have distinct memories of putting up, like, do you remember, like, the icicle Christmas lights that would be outside people's houses? Yes. So I wanted soft lighting in my bedroom, and I wanted Christmas lights. This is literally how you have our living room set up, but go on. Yeah. So my parents, after Christmas, said, well, you can use the icicle lights we have. So (laughs) I am in my bedroom, which is painted red. I put up crown molding. And I have black oh and white photos of New York City. That was my high school bedroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I am. I have a staple gun and icicle lights that I'm putting around my room, screaming the entire album of Ashley Simpson's piece of me. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, so what you're saying is that is that nothing's changed about you at all. Not a single thing. Yeah, <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't grown since. I was like, I literally, I think I've seen you. Literally today, I was like on the phone with my mom in the other room, and you were screaming, uh, "Vanessa's part of ninety six thousand. And my mom was like, "What was that?" And I was like, "It's it's Ryan." <laughs> and she was like, "Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah." <laughs> but yeah, it's funny when you think back on the things that I guess yeah are culturally queer, 
and how yeah. they were just like always a part of like it was before I was even aware of like what I wanted to do sex wise with people. Oh my god, it was I didn't realize that it sexually I wanted like I had a desire. Like you know, I mean, I can look back and be like, "Oh, I was clearly attracted to that man or whatever." But I was very certain with myself that I was straight. Mm. And like, I mean, we've always talked about this. Like I also could probably technically identify as bisexual, but like I definitely lean on the gay side of things. But like I've had a lot of relationships with women and they were great. And then I got older and was just like, oh, but it's not this. <laughs> so what you're saying is it's a preference. Yeah. Wait, basically what I'm saying is that it's a choice. I can't wait for that to get taken. <laughs> oh my like, God, you can yeah. like clip that out of yeah, context and be like, <laughs> it'll be like two years from now. And they'll be like, pop star Sean Doherty says that being gay is a choice. Hmm. Mm. Canceled. <laughs> but it will all just be broadcast to the inside of people's brains because we won't have anything else. Yeah, but also, like, can I cannot wait to listen to Driver's License in my brain. Oh, God, what a song. That's perfect. <laughs> I, I want to write something like that. I want one. Oh, my God. It's like, I mean, every time I hear a song like that, I'm like, damn it. Why didn't I think of that? And then Phoebe Bridgers wrote that song, Chinese Satellite, where she's like, I listened to the same three songs over and over. I wish I wrote them, but I didn't, so I learned the words. And I was like, now I can't even wish that I wrote this song because it's about that like come on (laughs) she took it from you she saw it's like i've been robbed (laughs) it's like hannah and girls like i am the voice of my generation or at least a voice of a generation i like to think that i have three or four really good folk albums in me (laughs) again i I hope that i think we're all at the point now where we're realizing that girls is um it's a great piece of work actually (laughs) it's it's a stunning study i love it as a person who only rewatches things and never watches anything new, I am often watching girls. Well, and I, I feel the same way about looking. And I think it's because a lot of people were watching the show at the time, being both shows, being like, oh, but I'm so annoyed with how these characters are acting and the decisions they're making. And I'm like, have you met your friends? Yeah. Have you met yourself? Because all of these decisions that these people are making are probably something that triggered something in you about what you've done or what your friends have done and how that's made you mad. Because like everyone I know has done something like one of those characters. Yeah, it's like we're trapped in this cycle where anything that gives us queer representation or the representation that you wish to see for yourself, we also hope is the the catch-all for every single person's experience in yeah. that. And if you're that broad, you're not going to make good art, baby. Well, and that's why, like, I'm, it's funny. I just want to get to the point where we can have just, like, gay characters that are, like, horrifying. Mm-hmm. Like, just horrible. I want to play a gay villain so bad that I constantly tweet about it. And <laughs> I want to play, like, a nasty, like, psychopathic gay person and not have 1,800 think pieces be, like, this is poor representation for the gay community. And it's just like, well, guess what? Like there's somewhere out there, there is a nasty gay person. Have you ever <laughs> been like, to happy hour? Exactly. Like sometimes like you've met people and we do, I get it because we all just want to have enough representation in a way that makes the rest of the world see our, us as we see ourselves. Yeah. And until we get to the point where like, it's just kind of normalized we can't really do that. I think we're getting there. Like, I mean, we, we've talked about, um, I care a lot Mm -hmm. and famously divisive film. (laughs) Apparently Um, we're the only two who liked it. (laughs) I've, I just fucking loved it because I was like, here, we've got like these two lesbians that are some of the most horrible people I've ever seen on film. But I thought the movie was entertaining as hell. And I thought it held everyone responsible. And I also loved that they didn't even bother putting a redeemable character in the movie because it was not that kind of movie. (laughs) Yeah, it just wasn't. They weren't making it. They weren't making a movie that was supposed to be super positive representation for anybody in that movie. Yeah, it's just it was supposed to be about bad people doing bad things. And it was supposed to do it in a way that was like live in this world for two hours and like it can have a sense of humor about itself, but also like you can know that you're not supposed to root for them. And just because they're lesbians doesn't mean we have to root for them. <laughs> Title of episode. <laughs> just because they're lesbians doesn't mean you have to root for them. Put that on tattoos, t-shirts, bags. <laughs> just be like with a little asterisk clarification. I, I love lesbians. Yeah. I'm a big fan <laughs> of the lesbian community. I love Brandy Carlisle. Um, yeah. Oh, who doesn't? Who doesn't love Brandy Carlisle? 
Who are you listening to right now, music-wise? <laughs> I wish I could pretend like you didn't know exactly who I was listening to. <laughs> um, I mean, it's so dumb, and I, I wish that I had a a cooler answer. I mean, I've, I'll have a couple answers, but, like, it's I'm just so in awe of Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, that's not dumb <laughs> like, at all. Like, but I, it's it's like all I talk about and I always feel like I'm like, Oh my God. Like, yeah, I'm still tweeting about folklore, but like, I just think what she's done like period, like from the time that she was, you know, 15 to now, like everything that's happened to her in her life, I think is extraordinary. But especially in the last year, she had a documentary about that reframing and claiming uh, an entire era of her life where she was literally the most hated person in the world Mm -hmm. And was like, hey, I didn't do any of that. That was actually all stuff that somebody faked about me. So cool. Um, But then then for all of us to go through the last year and be so miserable about everything, and she took that time to make an album that it stands on its own, that you can listen to it and not think about the pandemic, but it just kind of evokes like all of the feelings everybody's been feeling during it. And then dropped another one and did the same thing. Like, I just don't understand like how somebody like that is so smart. (laughs) Yeah. And so it has so much empathy for everyone. Well, and it's like, I, I also a huge fan of Taylor and I also talk about this a lot. It's crazy when you see like, she found the right people to invest in her at an early age so that her full life has been devoted to working on, crafting songs and writing yeah. and making music. So of course 15 years later her education has been that. And I am I'm just so I'm envious of her and I am proud of her yeah. and I love everything because like I mean we don't have arts funding in America. It's very oh rare that you can see someone who like does things like this where their whole life has been devoted to making music. Yeah, like there is something to be said about like if if I could wake up every day and there's one thing to be said about like sitting at my piano and like with my little, you know, computer with my logic and like doing whatever, but to be able to like leave your house and be funded and totally financially secure to go to a studio with a, a board operator or a producer or somebody there that you can also bounce ideas off of. That's also probably like a Grammy award winner mm-hmm. and you can sit down every, whenever you want really, because you have that sort of like, um, gravitas. Gravitas. <laughs> gravitas. Um, the fact that to, to be able to ha- be constantly have that environment to like escape to, to have a specific zone where you are able to write and work and be creative. That isn't, like a side project. I just like, I can't imagine how quickly your brain can kind of expand and fill that space because that's the only space that it like, that's what you do in that space. Right. It's like, it's the artistic dream. It's, it's the chef's kiss. Yeah. God, I love her so much. Yeah. I mean like, and so many other artists have done that this year. I mean like, obviously future nostalgia is like Bob city. We love Dua Lipa. Phoebe Bridgers, just nobody's ever, captured being sad quite the same way and then we have chloe and hallie oh god just like ungodly hour is just extraordinary i still can't believe they didn't get grammys for that yeah it just i mean there's so many problems with every industry but like that one is it's it was pretty egregious i was not happy Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's get back to you oh god so I forgot. Sean and I have been friends for quite some time. And Sean has seen my wild ups and downs and been a very uh, steadfast and loyal (laughs) and fun and festive companion. You've done the same for me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) To be in New York City with. And I just want to know, Sean, why are you like this? Oh my God. You would think that for the last 30 minutes, I would have had a better prepared answer for this, but I, um, (laughs) (laughs) let me think. Actually, I have been thinking about this because like, it's so weird. Um, Ooh, we're okay. We're getting into it. (laughs) I, uh, from the time I was like 
very little. Um, there's a lyric in, this is so gay. Um, there's a lyric in Town, and it's not even a song about like Orpheus. It's a song, it's called So So Long, I think. You'd probably know this better than me. Um, it's, but it's Amber Gray's character, Persephone singing, and she's singing about Orpheus and she's like, that boy has like so much inside his chest that he can't keep it in there anymore. It's I'm bastardizing it. Like I have no idea what the lyric is, but it's something like that. I remember hearing that lyric and I was like, Oh, I've never heard someone kind of say exactly how I felt my entire life in like one lyric. And I've oh, like, and it kind of even feels like that's why I sing the way I do. That's why I like do the things I do. I just kind of always feel like there's way more inside my body that I can possibly contain. And so I just like scream at the top of my lungs for a living. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I was, I was just thinking about it like yesterday. I was just like, I know, I never sing like nobody ever hires me to sing when it's like light and pretty. They sing, they want me to like scroll and like, I don't kind of really do anything sort of halfway either in my personal life. Like I've always kind of just been like, well, if I'm going to do it, I'll do it all the way. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think it's just kind of like a, a feeling of like wanting to constantly be able, like, it's like, I want my rib cage to be bigger and it's a pretty big rib cage. (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of like how I've like always felt. And I think that mentality of like, how can I get everything that's inside of me out? Because not even because it like needs to be, although it does, it's that I like, I just have a lot and I want to like give it. Yeah. I think anybody who's friends with you knows that, that, that you lead with that. I've never heard you. (laughs) I've never heard you frame it that way, but yeah, you, you don't you don't baby step there, and then I usually just like jump and figure it out later. Well, and then it it kind of makes sense with your current journey, where you like your current artistic journey. You've been doing musical theater your whole life. There's a lot of love there, but you are embarking on creating your own album for trying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, and like taking taking those feelings that feel like you got so much of them and making them into something, I think is an admirable and courageous thing to do. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, no, and like, and with that, I think when I started kind of actually seriously doing anything about my own music, it's because like, I mean, one of my main jobs is doing guest entertainer work. So I sing other people's songs all the time. And I think I just got sick of like getting, told that I need to do something more like somebody else Mm -hmm. because they'd be like, Oh, like, don't you, you need to be like more contained and you need to be more like cool. And they're like, everything you do has so much energy, but like you can, you, it's cooler if you keep it, you know, like sexy and and small. And I'm like, yeah, but that's like, that's not my energy. My energy is like, I'm going to actually, because we just watched this and now it's like on my mind, I watching the Tina Turner documentary, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I was just like so blown away by the fact that I'm like, that is a woman who could not be contained. And like, I am not Tina Turner. I would never compare myself to her, but like, I think she's just so extraordinary for, she was somebody that was literally like had so much inside of her and so much to offer that like she, even though she'd be like hitting steps, she was just everywhere. Like, you couldn't keep her in, inside just her body. She took up the whole stage. She performed for 186,000 people. And, like, it's one of those things where I'm, like, I just, I was so sick of being told that I should act like somebody else. And so I said, well, what if I just, like, do it myself? And I I found myself with, like, a deep level of imposter syndrome as I tried to figure out how to release my music for the first time. Because, obviously, I want it to be perfect because... I think when you're like in your early twenties, you can tell yourself, you're like, Oh, I can like send this out. But like, since I'm like new to this, like people will kind of give it a pass. And I think there's just too much competition out there right now. And like, it's too easy for things to get lost in the mix. And I'm like, no, I also just take pride in what I do. I want it to be perfect. And so I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this because I don't know, musical theater boy. And I don't want it to sound like I'm doing a musical theater boy doing pop. Oh, it's a very specific sound. I can hear you through the walls. I can tell you you're not doing that. Um, <laughs> but you're not wrong in that fear. I don't know. Creating your own stuff is hard. And I applaud anyone who has been able to 
figure out how to do that before the age of 27 because like lord <laughs> i have no idea oh my god but like the thing is it's insane because i don't know how i do it either like i don't have a i don't have a this is my checklist like i think it's always so funny when people are like five ways to spark your creative whatever and i'm always like oh that's not going to work for me. I was like, you know how I write a song is, I don't know. I was sitting on the couch with a glass of wine and I have a phrase come into my head and I write it on my phone. And then three years later, I write a melody to it. Like I have no idea what my creative process is, but I don't know. You just kind of like, I guess you just have to keep doing it, which I think is kind of something that I think you have also done in the last year mm-hmm. is just embrace the idea that like, just do it and then you can figure it out. But if you don't even try it, then nothing's going to happen. Oh, my God. I mean, it's it's a, a trope, but it was definitely something that was attacking me for forever. I have always had a very good grasp on what my talents are. But I've yeah. been on the, on the same hand, been like scared to do it myself. And for some reason think that someone would just like recognize me as the talent that I am and then like give me the permission yeah when on the other hand it just feels better to not ask for permission exactly and I think like it's it's so much more rewarding to be like oh I did this myself and I did it my way and I never had to ask anyone if this was the best way to do it because it doesn't matter because it's released now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and <laughs> like you think about the performers that we love and idolize, they're singular. Yeah. There's not another Patti Lapone. Exactly. And we were talking about this uh, two nights ago when I was ranting about you know, mm-hmm. the biz. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't get too specific, but I I do feel like a lot of our industry, specifically theater, it's weird because I feel like a lot of training in a lot of schools and a lot of um, classes encourage people to try to emulate the singular people. And I think especially a lot of our specific like five-year generation, like before and after us, we're told to be like, well, these people are successful, so you should try to be like them. But also, you'll never be them. Mm-hmm. And so we were kind of like, I felt like we were constantly being told to be the best understudy we could be, yeah, as opposed to teaching us how to find the weirdness in all of us, find like our physical voices, like the things that come out of our mouth. Like, w- there's a whole generation of musical theater performers that I think came out sounding exactly the same. And I think they're, some of them are very successful and I think they're super talented. And when I see them, I love them. I, there's no judgment there. But I do think we've like, when are we going to get the next person where you hear them on an album and you go, that's that person? Well, it's good. Like, you know when Amber Gray is on an album. Yeah. And also nobody can fill a stage like that. Yeah. Like, y- you know who Adina Menzel is. Exactly. People can talk shit all day about, you know, if everyone hits all the notes all the time, but you know she's a goddamn star. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I definitely don't hit all the notes all the time, but you will, no one love, does. you will love my show. I guarantee it, honey. It's so wild to me that like people are so judgmental of those things. I'm like, no one hits all the notes all the time. It's, <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's like, but did they put on a show? Yeah. <laughs> so we're just really on our path to being singular performers. Yeah, we're just basically what we're saying is let's be stars. Let's be stars. <laughs> but the thing is, I don't even think I know that w- we both know is that when we say like let's be stars, it's not that we are like let's be famous. It's let's be the most successful version of ourselves that we can be that doesn't um, like bow down to anybody else's idea of what success is. Yeah, because I, I man I. 2020 sucked so much, but like the moment that clicked for me, it's changed my entire artistic path. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I've seen you do it. Like, it's just, it's so strange. You're, you're right. We were trained to be understudies and it's, it's hard to be, it's hard to just be a person when that is what you're like, studies and life are well yeah and then you and you think about then how 
we are outside of those spaces and like we are we live so i would say that both of us live aggressively loud mm-hmm. yes <laughs> both sometimes literally and figuratively but like we're both very much ourselves and then i feel like there was a long period of time where even though we would both be working and successful we would be stuck doing things that felt not us mm-hmm. because we were really good at trying to be something else like I would find myself getting called in for things and I would get cast in them and I'd be like, I didn't even try in that audition because I was like, this is so aggressively not me. But it was because I was trained for so long to adapt to a situation, which is a skill, like that is a good thing. But it's, I, I've i recently just hit a point where I'm just like, why do I spend so much time trying to be like something that's not me? That's exhausting. Yeah. And I mean, we'll also see how it plays out as things open up and we get to get back to performing and what that entails being shows that might not be your dream shows to do and might just be jobs but Um, yeah we'll still take the job don't like please hire us yeah please hire us but (laughs) there is like this nice clarity of knowing things that i like fully want exactly it's it's a it's a clarification of goals for self versus like what other people's goals are that you think you should have. That was beautiful. My God. (laughs) Oh my God. You're a poet. Write that down. (laughs) Write a song about it in three years time. Yeah. I'll write it in my notes section. Yeah. Um, Put it in your funny journal. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Shanzi, we are wrapping up our time together and I ask all my guests this question but (laughs) do you have any questions for me okay so i've been explicitly told that there is a question that i should not ask you (laughs) (laughs) and i think the listeners might know um which question that might be so i will avoid it but i also have to admit that i've completely lost my train of thought what will i ask you um, I do have a funny question. Can I ask more than one question? You can ask as many questions as you want. Basically, you're the host now. So Okay. Yeah. So as um and I genuinely like want to know this answer, and you'll laugh when I ask what it is. Okay. But why do you love Gilmore Girls so much? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I love it so much. And I don't say that as somebody that hates it outright. I just, as someone that speaks very quickly, somebody always told me that I should watch Gilmore Girls. I watched it and I just, I can't get it. And Ryan watches, you've, how many times have you seen the show? Uh, it's constantly, it's constantly on. I'm, I, it's always on. I never watch season seven. The real ones know why. <laughs> um, but I'm constantly going through seasons one through six. Um, I love that show. I love it so much. And the funny thing about it is, I don't tell people to watch it. You really don't. I think the only reason that I've seen it is because you'll put it on when you like finish a workout and you're eating your post-workout meal. Yeah. It's and because I one because I know the story very very well. I it's nice and comforting to have on. Yeah. And the drama of the show it never it's never really stressful. Yeah. Um but I I love Lorelai Gilmore. I think she's fascinating. I think in the like pantheon of WB shows that were out at the time, like it was actually a revolutionary show in a weird way where she was unapologetically a young woman who had a baby when she was 16. And they're like friends. And they're friends. And, but like her journey, she like went to business school and like got owns her own in and like uh, it's a show and there are things that aren't accessible for all people like they are from a very wealthy family in Connecticut (laughs) um but it's just like I loved it as a kid and I don't think I keyed into this but it was just watching like a real woman that I knew on tv having a real conversation with her child and like my parents are very young and my mom and I were always and still are very, I'm close with both my parents, but like there's just a thing about having super young parents. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I never put that together until you just said that. Yeah. Where it's like, I remember being at my mom's 30th birthday. I turned 30 in August. Yeah. Like I was nine, eight or nine. Well, and I mean, 
you were your dad's best man. I was my dad's <laughs> best man at his wedding, you know, like, yeah. So there's, there's at his wedding to my mom. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I love that show so much. And at this point it is just like, I don't want to ever be alone in a room. So I'll put Gilmore Girls on. <laughs> I mean, I do the same thing with music. Like I always put music or something on mm. and I think, like, but no, that makes total sense. But I was always curious because I just I know that you like have always loved it in such a specific way, and I just didn't know exactly what made it latch with you so hard. Yeah, because I get comfort shows like I love Cougar Town in the background, but like I also like can't watch it all the time because it's very hetero, very very <laughs> hetero. Gilmore Girls is definitely uh, hetero adjacent. It's from the early two yeah, thousand. But I get it. There's 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 something about it that's very. Um, it's very, uh, it has the energy of like your English teacher, like your woman English teacher that like was like, you're gay, aren't you? But never yeah. said it. It kind of has that energy. So I get that. Yeah, it's very that. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was like the kid that was like, I love Lost. <laughs> and they're like, okay, go study science, babe. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, my other question mm-hmm. is if you could have a recurring role on one tv show that is currently airing what would it be and what uh like what show would it be and then what would the character be reoccurring on a show that is happening currently i would be on Grey's anatomy um one that tracks that show is never going anywhere so sign me up (laughs) um to another great love of my life is shonda rhimes i read her book year of yes once a year um I just love her dialogue and the way that it works. And I think it fits on me greatly. So I definitely would join Grey's Anatomy as a new cast of interns. You know how like every six years they're well, like, they have to, they have to, just, there's always a, there's always a new person. Um, but I honestly, this is just coming to me now. So who knows? Um, <laughs> I truly think that I would be the gay guy who like, paints his nails so he thinks that he's queer and progressive but like in a six episode arc gets like really put in his place oh but like the thing is that's the exact kind of like gay arc that i want to see in the tv show right now like i think it would it'd be very that i'd be like because like that is an example of like having a gay character that has a gay storyline that's about their like queerness yeah <laughs> meanwhile and their their I'll, relationship to their, their queerness and like the fight is happening while i've like done my first whipple Oh, not the whip. Well, we all know how to do one, so yeah. it's fine. <laughs> Once you've watched two seasons of Grey's Anatomy, you can you can actually do a whipple. You can do a whipple. That's med school. <laughs> <laughs> what would you be on? Um. Ooh, this is a good question. Um, what are we watching right now? Well, I mean, half a joke answer, but half a very real one is I just want to be on Survivor. Mm-hmm. We can <laughs> do wouldn't that. Be a podcast. It wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't talk about wanting to be on Survivor. Um, I don't think I would do well on Survivor. <laughs> I think that I would, I think I would be one of the first people in the jury. Which is the goal. Yeah. And I would just want to be, I would either get taken out like immediately or I would make it at least to the jury. And then if I made it any further than that, I would be top three. But, like, I do think that I would get taken out because I don't really know if I have the, like, I don't know if I'm a good enough liar okay, to get away with some of the shenanigans you have to go through and still have nobody be super pissed at me. It's a hard game. It's hard. I, I'm absolutely obsessed with it. I love every second of it's it. It's a really um, hard game. I, if otherwise, I, oh, no, God. If I could make it past the first tribal, I'd win. But, like, the chances of me making it past the first tribal are so low. Because <laughs> like, you'd physically kill someone. <laughs> yeah. There'd just, be, there'd just be one thing. You'd be that, like, that guy voted for Trump? Absolutely not. <laughs> not yeah, I'm not playing nice with him on this island. You'd be um, like, John Rocker, get out of here. I heard you're racist. Out. Oh. <laughs> Could you imagine? It's just the middle of a competition. I'm like, I heard you're racist. Just stare. I mean, that was literally... It's Natalie from San Juan del Sur. Just said, I heard you're racist, and he was gone. <laughs> and that's that's how you play Survivor. She won. It's yeah, she's iconic. Yeah, it's it was one of the best things I've ever seen. I was like, absolutely, you deserve every second of this. Um, otherwise, I actually, I as someone who sort of liked for a different TV show is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, for like a fictional one, 
I really love what the MCU is doing now. Oh, you'd have fun with that. And I also, I also just like, I love the idea of getting to go to work and getting put on a like fucking harness and like being like, all right, today at work, I'm going to get thrown at Catherine Hahn. <laughs> like, I think they're doing such interesting character work now because they've had, you know, 13 years to f- tell all the bullshit story. And not that it's like totally bullshit. Like, I think it, they did it very well. But um, I was always like, oh, yeah, the MCU movies, they're fun. And then like WandaVision hit and I was like, oh, there's like some well, and Black Panther. But I was like, there's some good, good character work being done here. Mm-hmm. And now we finally get to explore the emotional damage that can happen to like these people versus just like how many things can they smash and do that in a way that is like visually interesting genre redefining. And like, I, I think it's very, very cool. And um, watching the actress that plays Monica Rambo talk mm-hmm. about that. And she was like, I was auditioning and I was like, I have no idea what this is, but I hope it's Monica Rambo. <laughs> and then she just like, they showed all the clips of her like doing things and she just seemed so excited. And I was like, Oh, to get to go to work and like play pretend in that aggressive of a manner every day must be so much fun. Yeah. Oh, you'd have so much fun running away from a burning building. No, Ryan, you don't understand. That is literally my only goal of anything. I think I've tweeted this before. I, all I want to do once in my life is be in a movie where something very tall is falling and I have to run from it. And it's a long tracking shot of me running from the tall thing falling. I think it's like every time it happens in a movie, I'm thrilled. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I just want that. Like I can name like seven off drop, like drop of a hat. I love every single one of them. I think it's always good. (laughs) Well, you heard it here first. These are our hopes and dreams. So if you have the power to put us in these projects, we are very charming. I love, and I, I'm a very good runner. He he is a very good runner. I'm not so great at running, but I do try. Um, and that's what counts. That's what really counts. That's the goal. Uh, well, Sean, this has been absolutely wonderful. I know. I can, I'm glad we got to do this. Yeah, thank you so much for hiding in your room and talking to me through a wall. I really do appreciate I know. it. It's been fun to hear like you say something and then hear it in my headphones. Um. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is this is so lovely. I'm glad I got to do this. Where can the children find you? Oh my god, they well, depends on what you're looking for, really. <laughs> if you're on not anything scandalous, but uh on Twitter I'm at the Royal Juror. And yes, that is the joke from uh 30 Rock. Oh, and there's an underscore at the end of it. Yeah. Um, but you'll find me. It's the picture of me drinking coffee on a beach. Um Instagram, I'm Sean D. Doherty. And then my website is also Sean D. Doherty. Look him up, ladies, gents, and thems. It is worth the time. He's a wonderful performer. (laughs) He's a very good friend. Thank you so, so much for doing this. Thank you. And everybody keeps streaming the podcast. Ryan Slaps. Until next time, y'all. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 